Let's be seated. We um, we truly had a good time, very peaceful time. Um, I don't know if any of you know this, but we have multiple businesses, but I also have a job. I have a government job. <laughs> I do. And the government, the United States of America, has hired me as the official ocean watcher. <coughs> it is my job to make sure that the ocean never leaves and goes anywhere. So I was on supervisory duty, and I am happy to report to you that on my watch, it did not go anywhere. So I have effectively accomplished what I was paid to do. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 24, 1 Samuel chapter 24, we're going to go to verse 1. Just so you know, we are hiring for that job, so if you want to put in an application, I got, I got some pull with the boss, let me know. And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And it came to the sheep coats. By the way, there was a cave. Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thy hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. And it came to pass afterwards, David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterwards and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Wherefore, hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord has delivered thee uh, today into my hand in the cave, and some bade me to kill thee. But my eye spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand. And I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord judge between me and thee, the Lord avenge me of thee, but my hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but my hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom doest thou pursue? A dead dog after a flea? The Lord therefore judge and judge between me and thee and see and plead my case and deliver me out of thy hand. 
And it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, In this thy voice, my son David. And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast shown this day that thou hast dealt well with me. For as much as when the Lord had delivered me into thy hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good, for that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thy hand. Look at somebody and tell them somebody is sitting in your seat. Look at somebody else, tell them the same thing. Somebody is sitting in your seat. It is a problem to be the first person in a second position. Here, David has been anointed to be king. David by all rights, by all calling, by all purpose, is in fact the king. Yet the only thing that keeps him from what he is called to do and the position he is supposed to hold is the one who currently occupies his seat. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily uh, it doesn't necessarily hurt you to begin to realize that sometimes there is somebody else sitting in your seat. There's somebody else sitting and living in your house. There's, <laughs> there's somebody else possibly driving your car. <laughs> And to begin to see as God kind of uh, calls you and works with you and deals with you, insecurity causes you to fight and scratch for what has already been given. See, the, the problem with, with Saul is, and, and people have a Saul spirit. Sometimes uh, you may work in a company where your boss is kind of, riding you pretty close and it's not because you're terrible at the job it's because they're threatened see whenever you are excellent at something you agitate the mediocre whenever you begin to step into something and bring excellence to it or you say you know what I, I think we could do better then they have all these names for you they have all these different names for you you're, you're, you're the pastor's pet you're this you're that and, you know, they got all kinds of stuff. I'm not even going to get into it. Y'all can put the story together. But <clears throat> when you are truly anointed, see, <laughs> if you don't know it, you can't be frustrated by it. And what I'm trying to help you to understand is that there are many people that are called to greater places, but you are stuck in the second seat. And there's nothing wrong with being in the second seat. 
because there are things God is moving and doing and situating and positioning, and there is a time. This is why many are called, but few are chosen. People want to get so excited about what did God call me to do. I'm not always sure what God has called every single person to do, but I am absolutely certain what we told you to do. And so what people begin to do is they think I can look to what I'm called to do and disregard what I was told to do. Well, the reality is you're in second seat. And as long as you're in second seat, anyone who's confident in their anointing knows that not only am I called to function in the first seat, but if I'm anointed, I'm anointed to sit in the second seat and bring help to the first. So that when I get involved in the organization, when I get involved, (coughs) success comes with me. I'm not hurt. I'm not disappointed. I'm not in a rush. Because if the anointing is on me, then I don't feel no type of way. Because I trust in what God is doing. And I know that He is the one who will set up kings, tear down kings. He is the one that will move things into position. And I don't care how many Saul's are in my way. The reality is that when God is done. See. (laughs) Because the problem is that. There are a lot of people who have the position, but don't have the anointing. See, <laughs> you ever heard the saying, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's all bark and no bite? Yeah. <laughs> well, or, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, there, there was a story a minister was telling. He said uh, he was talking about homiletics and how to structure sermons and and. You know, he was talking about the concepts of he was driving up a, a hill back in the days of CVs and he this truck came rolling past him. And so when the truck came flying past him, he's in a car. This is a full blown semi. So he knows he's doing about 85 and this truck is just moving up a hill. So he gets on a CV and he says, you know, he's calling out to the truck and he says, hey, uh, you know, he describes the truck and he says, what are you doing? And the truck comes on. And he says, I'm doing about eight and a nickel. <laughs> and he says, how are you doing that? And he, says, he says, and he comes back on. He says, I don't have a load. In other words, I have a truck. <laughs> but ain't nothing in it. And so the, the connection he was making is when you find people that'll, that'll articulate a sermon and it looks, they'll be like, well, they went down from Jericho, huh? And they should have never went down. Listen, to get there from Jericho, you have to go down. It, ain't a, it is not a metaphorical thing. This is just geography. And we're going to make this a black cat, huh? And the cat walked across the street, huh? It's got a load. I mean, it looks like, but it doesn't. It's empty. You open a truck, there's nothing in it. And so beginning to realize where God really is, you have to know that if God is in it, I am not having to compete with anything because some people can sit in the seat but ain't got the anointing. Some people can own the company 
And it won't work until you own it. And what you can't understand, because you can't stay long enough. I ain't putting up with this. I'm not taking their stuff. I don't know who they, they don't know who they dealing with. I'll just go, listen, what you didn't know was God puts you there. He positions you in second seat after he called you to the first. But you can't stay because you got too many opinions. You got too, you got too many trust issues. You're raiding the supply cabinet, taking it home. He says, here Saul walks into the cave. And the Bible says to cover his feet. To cover his feet means to, to go to the bathroom. That's why he went into the cave. They did not have all the sophisticated pleasantries uh, that we currently enjoy. So here he is in a dark cave, and he's in a very compromising position. I don't know that you could be any more compromised <laughs> than going to the bathroom. And he says, you're chasing after me, and I'm but a dog. I'm but a flea. And he's, he's, he's saying to him, why, why would you believe what everybody's saying about me? Because here it is, I could have killed you. And God told me that I could do with you whatever I wanted. And yet and still, you seek to kill me. And here's what Saul said. Just because of the way you handled me, I now know you will be king. And the kingdom will flourish under your command. See, the Saul spirit can see in you what it can't see in itself. That's why you have haters. <laughs> Some of you, you're like, I don't understand why people hating on me. What does it matter? Haters and feedback is the breakfast of champions. When you don't have any haters, you're not that gifted. When nobody's coming against you, you're not doing anything. If Satan is not running into you head on, you're going the same direction as he is. The reality is the resistance you incur is a sign that you are doing the right thing. And so when you start seeing people that you work with and work for, and they're hated, they got a problem with you. They don't have a problem with you per se. They got a problem with the God in you. They got a problem with the excellence in you. They got a problem because they know you're a first seat person sitting in second chair. And all that is needed is an opportunity for things to change while God is working. And so <clears throat> he literally said, I will never touch God's anointed. This is truly why many are called and few are chosen. You have people say, well, nobody recognizes my gift. Nobody used my gift. Listen, if you have a gift, if you have one, if you have one, God is already working to position you where you need to be. God already knows exactly what it's going to take he knows when but a lot of people can't continue they can't stay connected they can't stay seated and watch god do because we become impatient and we believe that he might not 
we become impatient and think, you know what, we'll just help him along. And they don't realize that the time of your anointing is not the same as the time of your appointing. Let's go, let's go if you wouldn't mind, 1 Samuel 16. Because I'm telling you, there are so many people that have the company and don't have the anointing for it. And they're waiting for you. <laughs> they're waiting for you. Whether you work there, whether you're looking to buy it. Are we okay? You sure? 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. God has done with Saul. You, you do understand how problematic and troublesome it is for God to openly come out and say, I'm done with him. God has already canceled and fired him. He's still holding the spot, but he's done. And God says, I have provided me a king because they wanted a Saul. So he gave him a Saul. But Saul didn't do what God... And Samuel said, how can I go? Because if Saul hears it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I come to sacrifice to the Lord. Call Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. Samuel did that what the Lord spoke. Came to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming. And said, comest thou peaceably. I love that. You know, imagine walking in such an anointing that when people see you show up at their house, they want to know why you're here. <laughs> they want to know, are you coming in peace? <clears throat> or are you coming to deal with all my devilish behavior? <laughs> so they ask him if he's coming, you know, peaceably. And uh, <clears throat> he said, peaceably. I come to sacrifice unto the Lord, so calm down. I ain't after your liquor. <laughs> I, I'm on assignment. <laughs> ain't nobody got time to deal with your craziness. Not today, anyway. And it came to pass, and they were coming. He looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not unto his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I refused him. The Lord sees not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Here it is, Jesse is lining his sons up in front of Samuel. And he's saying, is it this one? He says, no, it's not that one. He looks the part. He's tall. He's dark. He's handsome. He's got all the makings and the strappings of what we would think. This man has got to be the next king. And God says, that ain't him. He said, because I don't look on the outside. He said, I look on. 
Some of you have got to stop looking. The mirror is not your friend. Because you keep looking at your outside. And you don't realize that God called you anyway. Well, I don't fit the mold. God called you anyway. Well, I don't know that I look the way I'm supposed to. God called you anyway. Well, I don't have the pedigree that other, God called you anyway. I don't have more degrees than a thermometer, and God called you anyway. I don't have, the, and God called you anyway. I don't have the money, and God called you anyway. Because you keep measuring yourself by your outward understandings, <clears throat> never having realized God said, I don't even look at that. Because that's not even the main thing. Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass for Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this. Then Shammah passed by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this. Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he's over here keeping the sheep. While all the rest of these brothers are standing, desiring to be king. David is tending the sheep and getting the job done. David is working in the mail room. David is working under three levels of management. David is not even paying attention to what's going on. Because David has been planted in the midst of a situation that even his brothers have no respect for him. Even his father didn't think to call him out and say, come look and see if you're the one. Nobody believed in him. Nobody thought he could do it. Nobody cared. Not even his family. Oh, my God, I wish I had some people that understood what I'm telling you. And yet and still, he said, none of these are it. And then he says, you know what? We'll wait. Go get them. And he said, he brought them in, verse 12. Now he was ready and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. Now, you know, sometimes when you hear that God doesn't look on the outside, you automatically assume that God only chooses ugly people. Am I the only one? But see, I've come to the realization <laughs> He said he was ruddy, which means he had freckles. But he was good to look at. I ain't got no freckles. <laughs> but <laughs> he said, now this guy, this is the one. He says, a goodly look to, and the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David when? So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Do you realize this is 15 years prior to him actually receiving the crown? 
The time of your anointing is not the same time as your appointing. And when you begin to understand that the anointing came on him from that moment. Now, can you imagine knowing that the power of God is with you, knowing that he's called you to greater things, knowing that he's taking you to another place, knowing that somebody is sitting in your spot, knowing that you have a call, knowing greatness is on the inside of you. You didn't know it before. Now you know. And now 15 years of dealing with a Saul spirit, someone who wanted to crush your dreams, Someone who wanted to shut you down. Someone who talked about everything you did in a bad way. And here David, who obviously, the Bible says, when men were supposed to be at war, he's out here looking at Bathsheba. Bible starts, when men should have been at war, he's sitting here peeking like a peeping Tom out his window at Bathsheba. While he was anointed. Because you know people say. Oh you can't be anointed the way you're acting. God surely has left you the way. You, do you know what you did? Do you know the mistakes you've made? God has obviously left you. It said from that moment. The anointing was on his life. From that moment, the purpose of God was on his life. From that moment, Bathsheba, no Bathsheba. Making mistakes, not making mistakes. Because I'm telling you, this is how religious folks get. They want to make you think, because you've messed up, that God has... Keep, keep your finger right there for a second. Let's go to... Um, let's go to Romans... Eleven twenty nine. <coughs> the gifts and calling of God are what? You know you know what that means? That means I don't care how you've messed up. When God put it on you, he'll never take it off you. When God called you, he's not taking it back. God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't look at you and go, oh, you missed it, so now I'm going to have to hit you over the head with a Tonka truck until you figure it out. I'm going to hit you with a mallet and play whack-a-mole. <clears throat> I remember wanting to bite him, told a story about her sister. And she told it publicly. She said that her sister was strung out and uh, her son her sister's son which would have been her nephew was in the hospital dying on a hospital bed they were looking to get to the sister to tell her to come see him before he passed away but she's estranged because she's strung out they finally find her and they tell her your son is dying you need to go to the hospital to see him she goes to her mother's house 
She gets cleaned up. She puts on clean clothes. She pulls it all together. She goes to the hospital. She climbs up underneath the bed that her son is laying in over top of her. And she began to command those spirits to leave his body. She began to command the sickness to come out of his body. And he was healed from that very moment. And he lived. And she was, all intents and purposes, a crackhead. Don't you let the world get you to think that you don't have the power because you've messed up. It doesn't mean that you still can't command demons to move. It's not your power. It's God's ability. His gifts and callings are without repentance. He will never take it back. I'm anointed on Tuesday just like I'm anointed on Sunday. See, you have to begin to realize because when you realize that, you're not moved by other people. I'm not threatened by so-and-so and so-and-so. They have a calling. They got a purpose. I got a calling. I got a purpose. The only thing I'm always trying to figure out is how do we work together? How do I bring my supply while I recognize your supply? That would be like a bar of soap getting mad at the water. How dare you enter this shower? It's my shower. Son, you don't work without water. So then I don't have to be insecure. <laughs> Let's go back. To verse 13. <clears throat> and Samuel, uh, put it up there, y'all. First Samuel 16, verse 13. There you go. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and did what? In the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. When? From that day forward. See, when you begin to realize, go to 1 Samuel 15, verse 7. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 15, verse 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah and, uh, until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul... And the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused and that or that they destroyed utterly or vile and refuse. Um, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned his back from following me has not performed my commandments and it grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord all night if the gifts and callings are without repentance do you have any idea how much it must have grieved God to say it repented me in other words I wish I hadn't done that but yet and still God never aborted him God never destroyed him 
God never moved him out the way. I've got David, you're out. That never happened. You've got to understand the way the world thinks. Could you imagine if God had aborted Adam? I'm amazed at how people have seen and viewed things that are currently going on in the world. It, it's crazy to me. Absolutely crazy to me. How people see things and think and not be excited to see God as one. It's a sad state of affairs to watch Christians fighting against each other. Listen, you believe what you want to believe. But here's what I can tell you. COVID started us down this road of fighting with each other. Mask, no mask. Vax, no vax. I don't care what you choose. You do you. Because if you want to know where I stand, here's where I stand. Just in case you ever want to know. What has been passed has no ability to affect anything really at a state level anyway. So until we get it really handled, it ain't handled. But I'm amazed at the level of people who are excited and want to kill babies. I'm excited. I just, I mean, I'm not excited. I'm, I'm amazed by that. I'm like, how could you be excited about the construct of doing such a thing? Well, what if they're not going to make it? Well, listen, what if they do? <laughs> Just because they say. <sighs> do you know how many people would not be here if it hadn't been for the intervention of God? And I realize everybody doesn't believe the way we believe, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But what I really would like to know... <clears throat> is why when a Muslim stands up for what they believe in, nobody's got anything to say. But when a Christian stands up, <clears throat> oh my God, everybody's got something to say. Those, those nasty Christians, they're horrible. And they'll say it to your face. Because they know you ain't going to jump in a plane. I said it, and I meant it. Verse 12. <clears throat> and when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, he was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. Verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul. Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Do you have any idea how deceived you've got to be? To do the exact opposite of what God told you to do. Yet the first thing out of your mouth. When you see the prophet. I did everything God told me to do. See you up here playing. Look what he says. And Samuel said. What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in my ears. And the lowing of the oxen which I hear. In other words, if you did everything God told you to do, why do I hear sheep in the background? Saul said, they have brought them, they have brought them, they, they, they have brought them, 
Go back to verse 12. He's going, uh, verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Verse 15, Saul said, They... So much for I. They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has to say has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. It's amazing how say on is an invitation to hear the rest. In other words, I've been in meetings with people and they come tell me their stuff. Oh, pastor, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this and do that. And then they'll say, what do you think? Nothing. You haven't asked me to say on. You came in and said it. So if you like it, I love it. And then when it all blows up, pastor, I can mean to tell me. He said to him, there's some things that I need to say to you. Why didn't he just come around and say it? Because there's no invitation. He thinks he did it all. And Samuel said, when thou was little in thine own sight, was that not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord did what? When you was little in your own sight. <laughs> Notice Saul, the root of Saul's problem is Saul began to think it was I. And the moment you start thinking it was you, then you are no different than the brothers lined up where he said, I rejected them because they looked apart, the but there's no substance in them. They appear to be a certain way, but the reality is there's nothing in there. They have the outsides, but they don't have none of the inside. And he said, when you was little, in your own sight. Then he says, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? Lord anointed thee the king of Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the the and fight against them until they be what wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord and Saul said unto Samuel yea I have obeyed the voice of the Lord we still trying to do this and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites but the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. It is a brilliant worldly maneuver to say, I captured the king and we kept the best 
Not because we wanted it, but because we're going to donate it to God. <laughs> there, there's a, a rabbi, a Catholic priest, and a Baptist preacher. They're all playing golf. And they reach the seventh hole, and they see a bag full of money. And so they go to grab the bag, they open it, and there's a boatload of money in there. And so the Baptist preacher says, here's what we should do. Let's draw a circle. We'll stand in the middle of the circle. We'll throw all the money up in the air. Whatever lands on the inside of the circle, we'll give to God. Whatever lands on the outside of the circle, we'll, we'll split it up amongst our churches. So the rabbi comes, and he says, no. He says, let's throw it up in the air. He says, but whatever lands inside or outside, we'll give to God. Whatever lands inside, we will keep. The Catholic priest comes up and says, listen, let's do this. Let's just throw it up in the air. And he says, and whatever God wants, he'll keep. <laughs> People can justify anything by giving it a spiritual definition. God said to kill everything. See, the king wanted to parade. See, it's, it's the honor of kings to parade another king in front of your people. See, when he returned, when Saul returned back and said, look, I captured the king, he got to parade that king in front of his people and say, look how great I am. That's why he kept the king. Keeping the best, that's what the people wanted to do. But he was the, he was the king. He was responsible for the assignment. So he kept Agag, right? Okay, let's go to Esther 3.1. Actually, I'm sorry. Verse 22, 23, and then we'll go to Esther 3, 1. I'm sorry. Let's go back. Verse 22. I think we're at 21. Let's go to 22. There you go. And Saul's... <laughs> that ain't it, y'all. Samuel 15, 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, or 22. <clears throat> there you go. And Samuel said, Have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better and to hearken, to listen, than the fat of rams. <coughs> In other words, you can't give your way out of obedience. You can't do things that are outside of what God's asked you to do and then try to say, well, I did it so I could give this to God. So I took a job on Sunday, so I don't go to church anymore, but I can tithe more. And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as he does in your obedience? Obedience is better than your sacrifice. Now watch what he says. Verse 23. This this the haymaker. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou has rejected the word of the Lord. He's also rejected thee from being king. 
he likens rebellion to the, the Greek word or the New Testament understanding of what he's saying here would be the same as you cannot serve two masters. Because you'll either love the one and you'll hate the other. But you can't serve both. So for him to say rebellion is as witchcraft is to say you took God off the throne when you failed to obey what he told you to do. And you put another God on the throne, which was the God of your own self, which is witchcraft. This is why when you think of people who want to know what their horoscope is, People ask me, what sign are you? Stop sign. (laughs) Oh, you must be this or you must be that. I I don't know what you're talking about. What's your horoscope say? I have no idea. I'm not going to take the word of my God and take it off its throne to put on somebody who reads palms. Somebody who looks in a crystal ball. I'm not going to let you prophesy into my life. There is prophecy already that has gone out before me and it came from a godly place. I will not allow, I will not take God off of his throne and listen to a horoscope. It's got horror in the name. You'd think that'd be enough. You'd be shocked at how many people, believers, told my horoscope said I'm going to run into somebody today. And after you then have been married to him for 10 years and realize you shouldn't have, you'll realize that was the horoscope speaking. (laughs) Never mind. Where did I tell you to go? Esther 3.1. The entire book of Esther, God never opens his mouth. From beginning to the end, he never speaks. Listen to me. God is completely silent in the entire book of Esther. God does not say a word at all. With these things did King Asherus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the what? The entire book of Esther, Haman is the antichrist he is the protagonist he is the one that everybody is fighting against the antagonist rather not the protagonist the antagonist they're fighting against Haman because Haman's trying to destroy the Jews why do you think Haman's trying to destroy the Jews because he's a descendant of Agag why do you think God told Saul to kill them all God has nothing to say. He has not a word to say. I told you to kill them all. If you'd have killed them all, this would have never happened. And what I'm trying to get you to understand, I've taken a long road to get to this place. You have no idea why God put an anointing on you. Saul never saw it. There are things that you're supposed to deal with today that are going to affect your grandchildren, your future generations. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. 
There are demons and battles that you are fighting right now. And you have no clue that God anointed you today for what is coming down the pike. There are things you're going to change in your family. There's DNA you're going to rewrite in your family. And could you imagine one man's obedience would have set things in course. And his disobedience, his inability to know that I'm called to greater things, that I'm anointed for such a time as this, that there are things that God will put on my heart. I'm not perfect. I'm not great. I'm nobody. But he chose me anyway. And I don't know if his picker is wrong. But if it is, it'd be the first. And God don't make junk. When he said, I created you. Before you were even born, I formed you in your mother's belly. He said, I created you. I put you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you have any idea the lengths God went through to get you here on this planet, to get you here, the craziness of your father, the craziness of your mother, and the things God had to do to get all of that orchestrated to get you here? And you think you're just here? You think you're an accident? You think nobody cares? You think you're not here to change things? He said, the moment I anointed him, from that moment forward, he was just waiting for his moment to be appointed. <sighs> See, <clears throat> look, look at... Look at uh, First John chapter 2, verse 20. We're about to slide into home base here in just a minute. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I've not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. In other words, I'm talking to you and I'm writing to you, not because you're ignorant, but because you're acting stupid. Because you have an unction from the Holy One. Say, I have an unction. First, go back to verse 20. Put that in the NLT, please. <clears throat> For the Holy One has given you what? Put it in the NIV, please. Don't get quiet now. This is your moment. But you have a from? See, every one of us has an anointing. All of us. When you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is why you know there's more, but you can't get your hands on it. This is why you know there's better, but it just seems like. And, and you try to do all the stuff in the natural to get a hold of it. When, when God's like, no, listen, 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 look at Linda, listen. What I need you, uh, if there's anybody here named Linda, I'm not talking to you. He said, if you just seek my anointing, it'll reveal your path. It'll show you things to come. It'll teach you things that you need to do. It'll connect you with the right people. It'll push out the wrong folks. It'll bring in the right people. If you would chase after my anointing, that's all that matters. Because as you grow in the anointing, I will move you and show you directions. I will give you answers. I will give you the path. I will direct your ways. And I will show you right to the point where by the time you realize you have shown up, you're like, whoa. I'm king. Quit worrying about the souls. Quit worrying about the stuff. Quit worrying about the haters. They can't stop what God has already started. Better is the end of the thing than the beginning. They can't shut it down. As much as they want to, they can't stop it. Why? Because you have an unction. Well, I don't feel like it. Listen. The anointing can't be felt. It can only be discerned. See, if the anointing could be felt when Samson rested his head in the lap of Delilah and he's talking to her and she's asking him, tell me, tell me what the source of your great power is. And this dodo. All right, baby, I tell you. No, I'm not telling you. I don't trust you like that. I just met you. No, so he tells her. When he wakes up, she's cut his hair. When the Philistines came rushing through the door, he jumps up ready to fight. If the anointing could be felt, why would he jump up ready to fight, not knowing the anointing has left him? You better pay attention, y'all. Because some of you keep talking about how you feel. You can't feel the anointing. You can only discern it. And that's why there's something inside of you that just kind of, you know, it's in there just scratching. There's more. There's better. Well, why can't I just be satisfied? Why can't I just be average? Why can't I just accept mediocrity? Why, why does it bother me so much? When, when things aren't done well. And why? why? And, and, and here you are. You're trying to feel anointed. Just like you're trying to feel pretty. Can I tell you something? You can't feel pretty. You either is. <laughs> you could think you could think 
of the most beautiful woman that you have ever laid your eyes upon. You could think of the most handsome man you have ever laid your eyes upon. And I guarantee you there is somebody somewhere who is absolutely sick of their crap. <laughs> Trust. So when you try to gauge what God is doing by how you feel, you have missed the fact that he is the source. See, there's four things. When, when David was anointed to be king, the, the, the word used for anointing or to anoint him represents four things in that moment. The first one is Psalm 75, 6. And I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping right here because this, this is where all that we came to get. Look at this. In the King James, please. <clears throat> for promotion come neither from the, nor the, nor the, but from where? Listen, listen. I don't care how you feel about yourself. The first thing about the anointing is you don't get it from nowhere else but God. Amen. He is the source. He's the progenitor of it. He is the originator of it. I don't care what your opinion of me is. I don't care. You didn't call me. He did. Now, if I could be honest with y'all for a transparent moment, I wish you'd call somebody else. <laughs> y'all ain't easy. <laughs> but the reality is that I'm not only obedient, but I'm willing. See, when you begin to realize whatever God has put in your way, in your path, inside of you, you just got to be willing and obedient and forget about what other people say because they didn't give it to you so they can't take it from you. Some people are so afraid to, to, to allow people to not like you. Here, let's do this. I don't like you. Now I'm your first. Now you, can keep, now you ain't got nowhere to go but up from here. I love you. I do. Absolutely love you. But whether somebody likes you or not, does not change the promotion does not come from east or west or south it comes from because god is the judge he put it down and he set it up i don't care if somebody's sitting in your seat it don't matter there's somebody running your company right now there's somebody driving It might be the dealer. He might be backing it off the truck right now. Somebody else might be. The second thing God wants you to understand, we just, we just talked about it. Romans eleven twenty nine. It is immutable. The gifts and callings of God, they're immutable. You know what immutable means? You can't mute it. <laughs> That's what immutable means. It means it's not mutable. You can't stop it. You can't shut it down. Your mistakes don't disqualify. Your inabilities 
well, Pastor, I'm just not, you know, I, I, I've done some stupid stuff. Haven't we all? <clears throat> if anybody tries to tell you that they haven't done stupid stuff, and I mean really stupid stuff. I ain't talking about that stuff y'all practice and give your practice testimony. You know what I'm talking about when the camera's on? When I was young, I just made some dumb. I'm not talking about the one you. I'm talking about the stuff you hope nobody. It's immutable. The gifts and calls are without repentance. He'll never take it back, ever, ever. He's called you to greatness, so be it. He's called you to greatness, so do it. He's called you to greatness, so exist in the place where he called you to be. Because the one thing is for sure, nobody can do me like me. Nobody can be me like me. I'm an original. God broke the mold. He put a fingerprint on me that only I have. Do you have any idea how unique you are? And it was purposeful. You over here selling yourself short. Speaking stuff over yourself, your self-talk. I'm just not that smart. I wish I was. wish I was smart like so-and-so. I don't wish I was smart like nobody but God. (laughs) And with the Holy Ghost on the inside of me, I got the hotline. I got the bat phone. Whatever I don't know, he knows. The third thing, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in what? You know what that means? It means that the treasure you have in your little fragile earthen vessel, that, that earthen vessel is you. You are fragile. You are a cracked pot. You shouldn't hold water for nothing. But you do. You hold living water. And out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Why? So that the excellency of the power may be of and not. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not always bearing about in the body, the dying. (coughs) That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You are a crackpot. Trust me, you're a crackpot. You have to be. Because the power is not of you. So when the anointing is on you, God's power is on you. When the anointing is in you, God's power is in you. His inherent ability works in you. Quit talking to the contrary. Quit saying things that don't line up with what the Word says about you. Because the moment He anointed you is the moment He gave you the power. And if the power is working in you, then now it's time to allow that to chart the course. I can't tell you to be tomorrow. You got good ears. You know what God's telling you. A lot of people think, well, if I'm anointed and appointed, I'm supposed to go out there tomorrow and do No, you're not. You ain't ready. 
you know you're still struggling. Your struggle don't disqualify you from the anointing, but it can disqualify you from ministry. <laughs> Are you <laughs> the fourth thing. <clears throat> the fourth thing is there's a righteous rule. There's a righteous rule. In other words, God begins to show you what's right and what's wrong. And you function from that place. You don't do what the world does. <clears throat> you see it as a problem. You're like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do it that way. I'm going to do it this way. I, I don't do this in this manner. I'm going to do it that way. Right. And, and when you begin, <clears throat> you begin to understand that it's not you. It's God in you. Look, look, at, look at 1 Samuel 18. Verse 10. Um, 18 verse 7. Yeah, let's start there. And the women answered one another as they played and said, see, they play too much. Listen to what they said. Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. See, they play too much. And women, and Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? See, and Saul eyed David from that day and forward. You ever been in a meeting at work and you did something and, and the supervisor or the leader calls it out and says how good of a job you did? And then everybody starts eyeing you from that day forward? <laughs> so you become marked by your excellence. You become marked by the anointing you refuse to acknowledge. So then, look what happens. And it came to pass on the morrow that evil spirit from God, this is not God the Father, came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hands as at other times. So here Saul is being harassed. David is playing his instruments. He's on praise and worship team. Getting relief for Saul so that Saul can prophesy. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Can you imagine? Can you imagine somebody sitting up here. Playing praise and worship. Just getting it. And the leader jumps up and throws a javelin at him. they like this. <laughs> Do you have any idea the level of hatred that it would take to be throwing a javelin at your praise and worship team who's supposed to be helping you get in? 
And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was. You better learn that haters are the breakfast of champions. If God got your back, you can do what you do. And haters will throw javelins at you and they'll all miss. Haters will talk bad about you. It'll all fall on a sword. Haters will have problems with you, but it will not work. Because when you're trusting, not in you, but in the God who called you, in the God who anointed you, no weapon, therefore, verse 13, Saul removed him from him and made him captain over a thousand, and he went out and came before the people. Verse 14, this is the one I want you to pay attention to. And David behaved. (laughs) Notice, he says, David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself wisely, he was afraid of him. Notice the answer to your haters is godly wisdom. Which you will never seek if you're struggling thinking you're appointed and anointed. You'll never seek after God if you, if you don't think you're anointed. You'll never ask him for his wisdom if you don't believe you're really anointed. See, the reason why you keep getting hit by the spears because you ain't behaving yourself wisely. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom will tell you, I'm not going to hang around so-and-so. I'm not going to be around this situation. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to put this person in my life. I'm not going to allow this one. Wisdom will then tell you, it's time to buy this company. I watch so-and-so, they're struggling. They're struggling. Why? Because they're in the seat, but they got no anointing. They're just in my seat. I can't be mad at them. They're not making it. They're in my seat. So all I need you to do is, excuse me, um, you ready to get out of my seat now? Oh, oh, sorry, okay. I'll wait. Because the Lord's working on me. And he's getting me to the place that when I take the seat, I am now appointed. And when I'm appointed, my anointing has already went before me. It has already made crooked roads straight. It has already got it done. It has already made it happen. It has already moved on my behalf. So now when I step into the things God has called me to do, it's, no, it's not complicated. So many people are struggling because they're on the fringes. They're not behaving themselves wisely. Well, I just feel like, you know, things are not really going forward. I'm not progressing. I'm not. You ain't in. You have an anointing, but you won't use it. The, the, the saying is that a man who won't read has no advantage over a man who can't read. The fact that you have an anointing and won't use it. There's opportunities to serve. You won't serve. You came this far. But you feel on the inside, you're called to deeper things, but you won't go deeper. I got things to do. My kids got stuff. We got things, we're busy. 
Well, you'll stay busy. Satan will make sure you stay busy. And while you're staying busy about things that are not the wisdom of God, life is passing. And you'll blink and wonder, how did I get here? And, and you'll walk around people who are spiritual, and they'll be like, um, you know you got like 10 javelins in your back? That's got to hurt. There are people sitting in your house right now. Right now. They might be builders. They might be contractors. They might be a person, but they're sitting in your stuff. When are you going to go get it? When are you going to realize that it's, it's working? It's working. I, I, I work very hard. I'm an, I'm, I, by nature, am impatient. So I have worked very hard on myself to be more patient. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't pray for patience. <laughs> I recognized it within my own self and self-corrected. Because when you begin to see it, you know, listen, I know where God's called me to be. I know the things that he's shown me. It scares me. It legit scares me. I'm thinking, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I get the stutter. I, I don't, I don't, I, you, you, sh- you, you sure? It, it, it concerns me. It does. It makes me nervous. That's why I want you to understand if what's in your heart is not intimidating to you, it's likely insulting to God. But it's not my job to bring it to pass. It's not my job to, to cut and hurt and do things to get there. My job is to let God move. That's why David came out and said, why are you chasing after me? I'm a flea. I'm a nobody. If I wanted to kill you, I would have. You're going to handle your own self. I'm just going to sit here, ride this number two spot until my opportunity comes. My opportunity comes, I'll know. When a crown comes to me, I'll know. (laughs) You begin to see how God, that's why he said David is a man after my own heart. David's not somebody that's going to force. He's going to let it happen. David's going to be merciful. He was merciful to Saul because I'm telling you, when you learn how to work under somebody, God will send you people that know how to work under you. I pray that God sends you people that act like you act. That's scriptural. You shall reap. See, I learned a long time ago. That's why when I served, I served under my pastor. I went everywhere he went. He's an ex-boxer. He didn't need me to carry his bag. He carried himself. I carried it. When they needed finances, I sowed big. They needed to buy things, do things. I sowed. They needed to buy chairs, sowed big checks. Why? Because I understood I was sowing. He didn't call me. God did. I'm trying to get y'all to understand a principle here because when it comes, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss the opportunity when it comes. Because when it shows up, you have to have sowed enough. And that's what God's waiting on. He's waiting for the right time, the right place. 
certain things that are happening, he's moving on your behalf even as we speak. He's moving on your behalf even as we speak. There are things that are changing right now even as we speak. There, there are, if you have your own business, there are clients that he's moving right now. There's doors he's opening, contracts he's preparing right now. I don't have to make all that happen. I just got to trust God and get the wisdom that he would give me. He'll connect me to the right people. He'll put me in the right places. I don't have to hurt and steal and cheat. I just do what's right. And when I operate out of that righteous ruling, then I have real authority and people see you and they're like, what is it about them? They're not moved. They're not afraid. They're not worried because I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I'm not that concerned about you. I trust you to be you. And I trust my God to be. And I've come to the realization that my God is bigger than you. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. We thank you. There's so much that you have placed inside of us. Father, we would be mindful that the moment we were born again, you gave us an unction. You gave us an ability. It's not our job to try to force open doors. It's our job to stay where we're put until time comes. In the meantime, you'll continue to prosper us. You'll continue to bless us. And you'll continue to take us from victory to victory, from glory to glory, and from faith to faith. That we understand there's no way you can fail. There's no possible way that the end will not be better. You have called it to be so. Your word has said it. And you've led us to know we are in seasons. And we thank you for the season we're in. We know it's not a destination, it's the journey. Because when we get it, we're going to realize it wasn't all we thought it was going to be. Because it's never about arriving. It's always about journeying. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. We thank you you did not leave us here without your power. We thank you that our mistakes do not cancel our future. That in you, we can do great things. By your ability, by your power, we can accomplish mighty things. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Isn't